And welcome back. Welcome back in to another episode of the Fan Section Podcast. I am your host for this episode, Tyson Quiller. This is going to be another FS Shorts. Just continuing and carrying on with our college basketball preview as the college basketball season gets underway. This, the conference we will be covering this episode is the SEC, otherwise known as the Southeastern Conference. You know our MO by now, just uh, Alan and I, just a couple of buddies talking college, dropping knowledge from the bleachers to the suites, row 100 or 300. We are bringing you the information, the news, the stats that they just either flat out don't have time or don't care to address in the corporate media. We're bringing you all the information you need to digest the sports action for the day, for the weekend, and for the week. So again, like always, go ahead and get in that mailbag, send us your feedback, give us a, you know, a like, a five-star rating, any five-star review. Alan has professed that he will read live on air, regardless of what it is. So with that, all of that being said, let's go ahead and dive into this preview of SEC Basketball. Start with a quick look at how the conference played out last season. Alabama and Arkansas finished 1-2 and two in the SEC. Just really kind of came out of nowhere. Both Coach Musselman and Coach Oates, are, I think, are really highly sought after and desired coaching options at a lot of different programs. It'll be interesting to see how long they stick and stay at their respective schools. But like I said, Alabama won the regular season. Arkansas was second. LSU finished third, the Tennessee Volunteers in fourth, the Florida Gators in fifth, Ole Miss Running Rebels in sixth, Missouri Tigers in seventh, a really, really down year, but the Kentucky Wildcats finished in eighth, then you round out the conference with Mississippi State, Georgia, Auburn, South Carolina, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt with a really fantastic player in Scottie Pippen Jr. They are just completely wasting his talent. They finished last in the SEC last year. So with that review done, let's go ahead and dive into my projections for the SEC this season. First, in the SEC, I think Kentucky's going to bounce all the way back. I watched them play against Duke, and there were some issues, a couple of things here or there, but they played Duke very, very well, and Duke is a really, really good team. Kentucky again finished eighth in the SEC, nine and sixteen, eight and nine in conference play. And you know it's bad when you started seeing fans calling for uh, John Calipari to resign. I mean, Kentucky basically reshuffled their entire coaching staff in the offseason and lost Brandon Boston to the NBA, Olivier Saar to graduation. But as he always does, Coach Cal reloads. The first thing I think that was really big was. Mid-season last year, bringing in the center from West Virginia, Oscar Shibwe from West Virginia. Shibwe so far in the season is averaging 15 points and 20 rebounds per game through the first two games. Yes, you heard that correctly. 15 points and 20 rebounds. Uh, Georgia transfer junior guard Shavir Wheeler comes in having averaged 14 points and 7.5 assists per game last season. Get this. Wheeler is averaging 11 assists per game through the first two games. Some phenomenal players that, are, that, that own their roles on the court. Davidson transfer Kellen Grady is running the point for a much older Kentucky squad than we are used to seeing under Coach Cal. Grady brings consistent production. He's averaged 17 points, four or more rebounds, and two or more assists per game in each of the last three seasons. 
And Kentucky's leading scorer from last season, Davion Mintz, returns as well. Although he will likely be coming off the bench on the post, Keon Brooks enters his junior season and has seen a much bigger role in the offense, adding 11 points in each of the first two games. Kentucky's offense looks, they they just flat out looked elite in their first game against Duke, like I mentioned. One other player that I I don't want to forget to mention, by the way, of note, uh, Ty Ty Washington, one of the absolute top recruits in the country. He is a phenomenal player. I mentioned this before. It felt like he didn't have the experience to body up with the the likes of Trevor Keels and Paulo Benchero at Duke. He's going to have to toughen up a little bit because some of these older, more seasoned players in the post, especially in SEC play, they're going to body him up. And if he's a shrinking violet, it doesn't matter how talented he is. However, their defense, in the low post especially, and help on driving guards is a real liability when Oscar Shibway goes off the court. If, she, if Shibway can stay out of foul trouble, this team is a clear favorite, I think, for the SEC championship. The Wildcats don't face any real challenge until December 18th when they welcome the Ohio State Buckeyes to Lexington. I've got Kentucky going 28-3, and 17-3 in conference play. There's kind of two teams that stand alone in the SEC, Kentucky and Alabama. I think everybody else is a significant drop-off from there. And that brings me to my second-best team in the SEC. 14th-ranked overall power rankings are the Alabama Crimson Tide. These are the same Tide that won the SEC last year, 26-7, and 16-2 in conference play. And roll Tide indeed. Nate Oates has the Crimson Tide program hovering within striking distance of being Dominant, really. After finishing 8-10 and 10 in the conference two years ago, they went 25-6, and six, as I mentioned, and drew a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. So the real question is, was that a flash in the pan last year, uh, or are we seeing real changing of the guard in the SEC? Now, John Petty, one of their true floor generals at guard, has graduated. Not only did he command the offense, he also shot 40% from three-point line in the last two seasons. The other uh, whirlwind guard, Joshua Primo, now plays for the San Antonio Spurs. So some holes to fill there. But junior guard Jaden Shackelford and Jahan Quinterly are both back. And this could be, in my opinion, the most talented backcourt in the conference this year. So far this season, both guards are combining for 38 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists per game on 45% shooting from the field. Keon Ellis himself is shooting 55% so far from three-point range. So that adds a real weapon from the corner for them. Now, star forward Herbert Jones also left for the NBA, and he'll be replaced by the sophomore Darius Miles, who was the fourth-best recruit out of the Washington, D.C. area in the 2020 class. Under the hoop, the Tide add number 5 center recruit in the country, 7-footer Charles Bidiaco, and on the other post, senior Furman transfer Noah Gurley comes in to add some experience to a pretty young front court. This Tide squad has great depth, but they're only, they only have two players above six foot eight, and they're both freshmen. The youth in the front court has me kind of giving the edge to Kentucky, like I said, but I think Alabama's a very, very real threat and contender with Kentucky for the SEC championship. On December 4th, the Tide hosts Gonzaga. I just think their inexperience in the paint will be exploited. We, I mean, we saw this with Texas. They didn't have the size to match up. You know, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren just did whatever they wanted underneath the hoop. 
So I, they're going to lose that game. But if they can grow from that rather than getting discouraged, I think they could have a chance to make the Elite Eight come March. Alabama, I have going 22-7, and 14-6 and six in conference play. Third in the SEC, the number 15 team in the country in the power rankings, the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, they finished fourth in the SEC last year, 18-9, and 10-7 in conference play. Last season felt like Rick Barnes kind of squandered an opportunity with a tremendously talented roster. The Vols started the season off 10-1. and I remember them beating Colorado, which was a bummer. And they looked to be a real contender in the SEC. But as they entered conference play, they just couldn't match the intensity and physicality of the, of the opponents they were facing on a consistent basis. In their last 12 games of the regular season, they went 6-6. Six and six. And, uh, you know, it felt like they'd win one, they'd lose one, they'd win. they were so up and down. In that stretch, they got big wins, a win over Kentucky, and a win over number, then number 15, Kansas. But then they would lose to, like, Ole Miss. It was just too much inconsistency. Ultimately, they lost in the second round of the SEC tournament and got bounced out as a five seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Tennessee's two best players, so uh, by far, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, both leave for the NBA. That leaves a massive hole as well in their backcourt to fill. But backup point guard Victor Bailey Jr. does return after averaging 11 points and two assists per game last year. And the Vols landed the number one guard recruit in the country in Kennedy Chandler from Memphis. That was a good get, especially because Memphis is a legit top 15 program. In their first two games of the season, Chandler is averaging 18 points, five assists, and three rebounds per game as a freshman. That's impressive. And their new look backcourt is rounded out by Santiago Vescovi, who is a relentless defender on the ball. He could be a bit of a liability on offense on occasion. Olivier Nakahua returns as an offensive weapon in the post, and senior John Fulkerson has been a rebound monster this year so far, grabbing 10 rebounds per game through their first two games. The Vols have a solid seven-man rotation, but after that, it kind of remains to be seen what talent there is. I think the squad is a, a definite step below Kentucky and Alabama, but certainly a top 25 team in the country. Tennessee matches up with a damn good Villanova squad, in Connecticut at the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off this Saturday. I believe Villanova is elite. So if the Vols squad can be competitive, I may have underestimated them. But where I have them now, 22-8 and on the season, 14-6 and in conference play. At fourth in the SEC, I have the 17th best team in the country via power rankings, Auburn Tigers. Kind of like what you saw with Kentucky. Now, keep in mind, Bruce Pearl is the head coach at Auburn. Tremendous head coach. You get a lot of talent. Sometimes it it can boom. Sometimes it can bust. But last year, Auburn finished 11th in the conference, 13-14 and on the season, 7-11 and in conference play. I mean, it was a real struggle for Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers players. Uh, They had one of the tougher schedules in the country from January to March, and they just cracked under the pressure. Leading scorer and star guard, Sharif Cooper is off to the NBA. Auburn's second uh, leading scorer last year, Alan Flanagan, had Achilles surgery in September and is expected to miss the first two to three months of the season. Auburn's third best guard option from last year, Justin Powell, has transferred to Tennessee now. I mean, needless to say, the entire backcourt is in disarray. However, sophomore Eastern Kentucky transfer Wendell Green Jr. and sophomore Georgia transfer Katie Johnson bring in some straight-up athleticism to the Tigers' guard play. In the first two games, Johnson is averaging 15 points, 
one and a half assists, and two steals, while Green Jr. is leading the Volunteers in scoring at 17 points per game. He's also adding three assists per game as well. Freshman forward Jabari Smith, the top recruit out of Georgia and the third highest ranked recruit in the position in the country, will bring some pure talent to the front court. On the other post, Jalen Williams returns for his junior campaign after scoring 11 points and collecting five rebounds per game last year. This is the youngest team of the contenders, but the top-end talent is there. I think Auburn plays a really unique, fun style of basketball under Bruce Pearl. They get to Connecticut on November 24th, and we'll re- you know at that point we'll really see what they are made of. Outside of that game, there are no real tests until league play. So I think Auburn, I've got them predicted to go 21 and 8, 14 and 6 in the conference. All four of these teams, I think, are a lock for the NCAA tournament. And that brings us to our fifth-ranked team in the SEC, and that is the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, they finished second, again, like I said, in the SEC last year, 25-7, 13-4 in league play. And I just got to say, wow. I mean, the media has this team ranked a lot higher than I do. They did have a phenomenal year last year, finishing the regular season at 22-5 and and earning a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. They even performed best out of all the other SEC teams in the NCAA tournament by making the Elite Eight. But, you know, and at that point, they lost to the eventual champion, the Baylor Bears. Uh, Their head coach, Eric Musselman, uh, was a topic of many potential new jobs, as I mentioned, but he returns to Fayetteville. The problem is that their roster just got completely decimated. Star two guard Moses Moody left for the NBA. One of their best defenders, Vance Jackson, transferred to East Carolina, and several key role players and bench players graduated. But guard J.D. Note returns for his senior year, and he will be relied upon to run the point. Arkansas was also quite active in the transfer portal, trying to replace those key losses. Senior transfers from Miami, Chris Likes, and from Pittsburgh, Audice Tony, they're going to join Note in the backcourt as Wichita State transfer Trey Wade will man the post with returning starter Connor Vanover. Vanover has looked pretty good so far this year. I think this team has has definitely lost a step on the defense, but they seem to have added the pieces to keep the offense rolling. Arkansas's toughest non-conference game is a very depleted Oklahoma squad. I think you'll see them, you know, get out of the gate to a hot start and then regress to the mean as they get into conference play. Again, the media has them as a as a the third and in some places the second best team in the conference. I don't get it. I'm not buying it. But that moves us on to the sixth best team in the SEC, and that is the LSU Tigers. Now they overperformed, I think, their talent level last year. They finished third in the SEC, 19 and 10 on the year, 11 and 6 in conference play. Now this is an LSU squad that was basically one shot away from winning the SEC tournament last year, and then they went on to beat a good St. Bonaventure team in the NCAA tournament. Then they lost a really really close game against the number one seed Michigan in the second round. In the offseason, though, their standout backcourt players, Cam Thomas and Javante Smart, as well as their power forward, Trendon Watford, left for the NBA. And then, to make matters worse, LSU's top recruit from a year ago, Andre Hyatt, transferred to Rutgers. That's a total of 70 points, 18 rebounds, and 8.5 assists per game, just up and left in the offseason. Yikes. But Darius Days is back for his senior year in the post, Days is averaging 23.5 points per game for the Tigers through their first two games. 
On the other post, sophomore Tari Eason transfers in from uh, Cincinnati, providing 14 points and 10 rebounds per game so far this year. At the two-guard, in comes the fifth-ranked recruit out of the state of Maryland, Brendan Murray. And under the hoop, at center, 6'11", Efton Reed, who was the fourth-ranked recruit in the country at his position. LSU is a very, very young and inexperienced team. But they have a ton of top-end talent. They may struggle a bit early in the season. Although they have a relatively easy non-conference schedule, they do play a few sneaky, tough mid-major teams in Liberty and Ohio. On December 29th, the Tigers will travel to Auburn, and you'll really see a clash of great young talent in that game. I'm not sure LSU can hang with Auburn, but that's going to be a fun game to watch. I have them going 19-10, and 12-8 in conference play. Seventh in the SEC, the 38th-ranked power-ranking team in the country, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. They finished ninth last year. I'm higher on this team than the media is right now. They finished 18-15 and 15 on the year, 8-10 and 10 in conference play. Mississippi State was a true bubble team come years in last year. They did get an invite to the NIT tournament, though, and as a four-seed, yes, as a four-seed, Mississippi State made it to the NIT championship game and only lost to a very, very talented Memphis squad at Madison Square Garden. Although this isn't a tremendously gifted team, Iverson Molinar returns to guard after averaging 17 points and three assists a year ago. The Bulldogs do lose their second-leading scorer, DJ Stewart, to the NBA, and their top recruit from the 2020 class in Davion Smith through the transfer portal to Georgia Tech. But in comes another talented guard and sophomore, Shaquille Moore, who transferred from NC State. Also, Memphis transfer DJ Jeffries will bring some length and size to the front court at 6'7", 225. Three-star recruit Cameron Carter is going to probably be featured prominently as Mississippi State tries to find some depth in the early season. The Bulldogs have a matchup with Louisville on November 25th in the Bahamas Championship. I have both of these teams as bubble teams, bubble in, bubble in, bubble out teams. This game could prove to be an important matchup come March for each of these teams. I have Mississippi State going 21-9, and 11-9 on the season. Now, I have just realized that my numbers were not carrying over properly in my spreadsheet here, so I apologize for the mistake. Let me just run back through. This is my projected record for each of these teams. Kentucky, I have going 27 and 4, 16 and 2. Alabama, 24 and 5, 15 and 3. Tennessee, 23 and 7, 14 and 4. Auburn, 23 and 6, 12 and 6. Arkansas, 23 and 7, 12 and 6. The LSU Tigers, 22 and 8, 11 and 7. And Mississippi State, 20 and 10, 11 and 7. I believe that's where I left off, so we'll just hop right back in here with the eighth best team in the conference. That is the Florida Gators. They finished fifth in the conference last year. They only played 15 games, or 25 games all year. Finished with a record of 15 and 10, 9 and 7 in conference play. I mean, Florida had five games canceled last year for COVID. They really struggled to find consistency. Uh, they only played 21 games in the regular season. Uh, yet somehow at 14 and 9, they were able to land a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. That blows my mind. After needing overtime to beat a really pedestrian 10 seed in Virginia Tech, they lost in the second round to 15 seed Oral Roberts. 
The Gators' two most talented players, Trey Mann and Scotty, Scotty Lewis, both left for the NBA. But their great forward combo of Keontae Johnson and Colin Castleton, both seniors, will provide the Gators a boost as they try and replace the production that left. Now, Castleton actually did declare for the draft and pulled his name out at the last minute. Otherwise, this Florida program would be in real trouble. Uh, the problem for Florida, though, is at the guard play. Both Mann and Lewis were guards, and possibly their third best guard, Noah Locke, transferred to Louisville. Now, senior Tyree Appleby is a reliable option, but doesn't provide much upside. But in comes uh, Penn State transfer Myron Jones, and he may give the Gators the support they need to make the NCAA tournament this year. Jones is averaging 15 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals through their first two games this season. Now, Florida did just beat Florida State, and you all know I'm very high on Florida State. That's a very impressive win. But I think the fact that they are now in the top 25 is just purely a prisoner of the moment type thing. They will be on the road at Oklahoma December 1st and home for a matchup with Maryland on the 12th. If they can't win either of those games, I think I have them right where they should be at 8th and not making the NCAA tournament. The record I have for the Florida Gators is 19-11, and 11-7. and 7. Now keep in mind, I counted that Florida State game as a loss, so... If my numbers hold true, then it would be 20 and 10, 11 and 7, and they would be right securely on the bubble. Ninth in the SEC, the Mississippi Rebels. Now, they finished sixth last year and really, I think, kind of outperformed their potential. 16 and 12 on the year, 10 and 8 in conference play. Now, the Rebels do land their first McDonald's All-American in Deshaun Ruffin, which will be interesting to see how they utilize him. But this just feels like a program that's heading in the wrong direction. They, like I mentioned, they were a bubble team last year and got bounced in the round, you know, in the first round of the NIT tournament by four seed Louisiana Tech. Like I mentioned on our previous podcast, they get Shaka Smart's uh, Marquette squad in the Shriners Children's Hospital Charleston Classic this Thursday. Don't be surprised if Ole Miss drops this one. And rounding out the remainder of the conference, I have Texas A&M bouncing back a little bit up to 10th after finishing 13th last year. The Vanderbilt Commodores, I, I think they could even maybe be better than Texas A&M. But really, I mean, like, like I said, they've got Scottie Pippen Jr., who is sensational. But aside from him, the cupboard is pretty bare. At 12th, the Missouri Tigers. 13th, the South Carolina Gamecocks. And, I mean, isn't it unbelievable? that we were only five years removed from this this uh, Gamecock squad from making that miraculous run to the Final Four in 2017. You know, you remember that when uh, Cinderius uh, Thornwell scored 25-plus points in, in all four of their tournament wins. And, I mean, now they're just one of the absolute worst teams in the SEC. And there's no Thornwell on this team either. Crazy to think about. I think it's probably time to move off of Frank Martin if you're South Carolina. And at 14th and last place in the conference is the Georgia Bulldogs. They finished 10th last year. I, I don't see them performing that well this year. We're now in year four since Tom Crean was hired, and they showed some flashes, but lately it's been perpetual rebuild mode. And like I said with South Carolina, I think it might be time to move off of Tom Crean if you're the dogs. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and hop into some of the players to watch. These are kind of conference superlatives. Conference player of the year, Scottie Pippen Jr. Like I said with E.J. Liddell and Ohio State, I mean, if they're going to have any chance to make even the NIT tournament, Scottie Pippen Jr. is going to have to be basically play like a lottery pick in the NBA draft. 
But he's the preseason conference player of the year. Best defensive player, Philandros Fleming from Florida. First team all SEC. I mentioned from Tennessee, the freshman guard Kennedy Chandler, the really high recruit that comes in. Then from Kentucky, the guard Kellen Grady. The aforementioned Scotty Pippen Jr. at guard as well. Javon Quinterly from Alabama. And Jabari Smith Jr., who is also a high-ranked recruit coming into Auburn at the forward position. With all that being said, I think the SEC is going to be fun to watch. I think they're going to be talented and gifted. I believe, if I take a look right now, I have the SEC receiving... I have the SEC getting six teams into the NCAA tournament. I think that that is right about on par with what they've been doing. I think the talent at the top is better than it has been in previous years. Kentucky, Alabama are very, very good teams. And and even maybe Tennessee, if they can get things rolling. So with all that being said, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the Fan Section Podcast for this FS Short. And we are out.